prepare for tomorrow morning and, and thinking about all the joys of Christmas, I want us to remember, not only tonight when we go to bed, but tomorrow morning as well, that we can be sure that God loves us. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, no matter what difficulties you're experiencing, no matter what the people around you are like, and, and maybe this holiday season is disappointing for you, don't be disappointed in one thing, and that is the fact that God loves you, and we know that because he's given us his son. And we know that he's given us his son. He says he has made himself manifest to us. God's love has been made personally manifest to each and every one here. So when you read a passage like this, and it says that, that God's love was made manifest among us, think of this as being written to you. God's love is made manifest to you personally in sending his son Jesus. God loves us, and we can know that he loves us because he's given us a love that's manifest. He's given us a love that's manifest. You know, in Jesus, God was manifested in reality. You know, humanity has always been like that rebellious teenager. Humanity, God created humans in his image. He, he made them to be like him, and he made them to, to be in fellowship with him, to be in a loving relationship with him, yet man rebelled against God and they went their own way, yet God never stopped pursuing us. Even when mankind became so evil that it was necessary to wipe them out in a flood, God still rescued mankind. He was still manifest in his presence to rescue he rescued Noah and his family. Then later, God called Abram and raised him up and made it a covenant or agreement with him, a pact, a promise with him. And, and even when Abraham and all of his descendants were unfaithful, God was still present to bless and God was still pursuing humanity. God gave his people the word to lead and to guide them. God delivered his people from captivity. They had gone into captivity because they were unfaithful. They had, they had not followed God's commands and yet God he lovingly delivered them. And all throughout history, God's presence has always been with his people. Even after his children disobeyed, time after time, God sent prophets to be the embodiment of his word, speaking to them. And yet, God continued to pursue his people even after his people disobeyed the prophets. Every time man went astray and rebelled and and couldn't reform themselves. Man was hopelessly dead in sin. And all of history reveals really that left to ourselves, we go astray. But at Christmas time, what we're celebrating here is that God's love was not just made manifest in all those ways. God's love has been made manifest to you and I personally in the person of Jesus Christ. It says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. You see, see, God sent his son. He's not absent. He made himself present with us in his son. And we celebrate the fact that, that God is now with us and forever is with us. And when Jesus actually ascended, he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm, I came so that you might know God. And now I, that I'm departing, I'm, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. In the sending of Jesus, God is with us. Jesus, though, he also identified with humanity. He became a human. He, he was made manifest in the Son, and he demonstrated his love personally. Not only is his love manifest, he gives us a love that's selfless. selfless. We can know that God loves us because he made himself manifest among us, and then because his love is selfless. His love is selfless. There were some 
A story last May about a rescued driver. He was trapped in a burning tanker truck. He was driving down the road. His tank truck exploded. There was some kind of spark that ignited. And right behind them was Sergeant First Class Mario King and his wife Adriana. They were traveling along the highway. King tells CNN he didn't even consider the dangers. He ran towards the inferno with with tours in the Middle East, combat hospital training, and a firefighter. His training and instincts, they took over. He says, being only 170 pounds soaking wet, though, I, I didn't think I had enough strength to pull him out. But once I grab him, I, I just thought, I'm going to drag this guy as far as I can. Not only did he drag the guy as far as he could, he dragged him to safety, and the driver now has completely recovered. He only suffered some burned hairs on his arms while pulling the man to safety. And he said, I believe I had divine protection that day. And they asked him why he did it. And he says, we'll never leave a fallen comrade. And by the word comrade, he said, that doesn't mean your brother, your sister, somebody you know, or somebody you work with on a daily basis. It's also a stranger. It's anybody on the street. And as you hear a story like that, it's compelling. And you think, that guy acted in a loving way. And he did, because it's very loving to selflessly go and rescue a stranger. It's loving to put yourself in harm's way. But God didn't just do that in sending his son. Jesus didn't put himself in harm's way for just strangers. He put himself in harm's way for enemies. All of us had gone astray. We'd gone our own way. We were hating God and hating one another. And yet Jesus came into the world And that word for world, it means those who are dead set against God. This this evil way, this evil mindset of the world around that is dead set against God. God loves us so much. And this we know what love is, that God sent his son into the world. Not just people who were strangers, but people who were enemies. Who had reviled and rebelled against God. And here's the thing. Everyone here at some point has rebelled against God. Everyone here has been an enemy of God at some point. And yet our hope and our confidence is, as we put our trust, our faith in him, he makes us no longer strangers. He rescues us and he brings us near. The good news of Christmas is that he made his love manifest and and he has selflessly came to rescue us and take our place. We can know that God loves us, not just because his love is manifest, not just because he came to give us a selfless love, but because he came to take our place. He gave us a love that takes our place. I was reading a story recently about a man named Ernest Gordon, and he was a Scottish POW during World War II. While he's a prisoner, he was forced to be a part of a group that was responsible for building a bridge over the River Kwai. And for every mile of track, there were something like 390-some-odd prisoners that were killed or died during the building of that stretch of railroad and the bridge. It was the worst conditions and some of the most brutal treatment of World War II. They worked in oppressive heat. They were barely fed enough to stay alive. They were exposed to harsh conditions in the, in the Thai jungle. They suffered through many tropical diseases. But the, the worst of all this treatment was was what they received at the hands of their guards. The guards would beat them, and those who were lagging behind, they would brutally kill. Because children are here present, I'm not going to describe the ways in which they were killed, but it was horrific as an example for everybody else there. 
And prisoners, they adapted eventually to the treatment and they developed this kind of survivor mentality where it was, you know, kill or be killed. And so it was every man for themselves. And, and the tri- prisoners, too, started treating each other brutally. They did whatever it took. And so Ernest wrote in his book, Miracle on the River Kwai, he says, as conditions steadily worsened, as starvation, exhaustion, and disease took an ever-growing toll, the atmosphere in which we live was increasingly poisoned by selfishness, hatred, and fear. We slipped rapidly down the scale of degradation. We lived by the rule of the jungle, survival of the fittest. It was a case of I look out for myself and to heck with everyone else. The weak were trampled underfoot, the sick ignored or resented, the dead forgotten. When a man lay dying, we had no word for mercy. When he cried for our help, we averted our heads. We had long since resigned ourselves to being derelicts. We were forsaken men, and now we felt God had even left us. Hate for some was the only motivation for living. We hated the Japanese. We would have willingly torn them limb from limb, flesh from flesh, had they fallen into our hands. But things quickly changed, all because of a shovel, Gordon wrote. He says, at the end of each day, the tools were collected from the work party. On one occasion, a Japanese guard shouted that a shovel was missing. And he demanded to know which man had taken it. He began to rant, to rave. He worked himself up into a a paranoid fury and ordered whoever was guilty step forward. And then no one moved. No one budged an inch. So he shrieked. All die, all die. And he cocked the rifle and he began aiming at the prisoners. And and he was about to fire. And at that moment, one man steps forward. As soon as he stepped forward, he stood at attention and the guard clubbed him to death on the spot with the butt of his rifle. When they returned to camp, though, the tools were counted again and no shovel was missing. Everything changed from that moment on, Gordon writes. He says, the word of the man who is willing to take his fellow prisoner's place and die for them spread almost immediately. The giving of this own life for theirs changed everything about the prisoner's perspective and the atmosphere in the camp. Men looked for answers about death and sought answers in God. He became the unofficial camp chaplain. Prayer services were held nightly and a makeshift church was built by the prisoners to meet in. Faith, Gordon said, thrives when there's no hope but God. And God did not disappoint. The POW's act of taking his fellow soldiers' place, it changed those men. When he stood up, although he did not deserve that death, although no shovel was missing, and he said, he he stood up and he took the punishment that whoever it was, and he didn't know that nobody had taken it, deserved. It changed everything. And yet, as we think about Christmas time, we think about the giving of God's Son, and we think about what First John tells us, when Jesus came, He came knowing what was going to happen to Him. He came willingly, and He didn't come for fellow prisoners. He came for people who were hating God, who deserved to be in prison, and deserved all the punishment they got, and far worse. And that was each and every one of us. All of us were imprisoned by our sin. All of us were deserving the wrath of God for our sins. All of us rightly deserved what we were getting. There was nothing unjust, there's nothing unfair, no over-harshness in the treatment that we deserve. And yet, Jesus willingly came. And that's what Christmas is all about. He humbled himself, came as a baby, lived 
in our place. But he didn't just live in our place in death, he lived in our place in life. And that's important for us to remember at Christmas time is he came as a baby because he came in humility. He came to take our place. He came to suffer all the indignities of being a poor child. He, he came to suffer all the indignities of, of being somebody who's rejected by his own people, mistreated, never recognized for who he really was, never honored, never given the credit he was due. And he came in humility in contrast to our pride. He came to fulfill all of God's laws where we had all disobeyed God's laws. He came to endure every type of temptation. He took our place in obeying God's word in every area of life. And he did all of this. That's what we celebrate this Christmas is that God sent his son so that he would take our place and that in him we might have life. And the life that we have in him is all of his life, all of his perfect earning, all of his perfect righteousness, all of his perfect acts in our place. Everything Jesus did, every way he resisted temptation, he came so that all of that might be credited to you and I as we place our faith in him, as we put our faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, as we trust that he took our place. He was born to suffer and to die in our place. He sacrificed everything in our place. He was beaten and bruised. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross in our place. He took our place by bearing every bit of God's wrath for our sins. That's what it means when it says that he is a propitiation. That's a, that's a turning away. He's turned away God's wrath. And he says, hey, God, here, I'll take it. I'll take all the wrath that... Everyone who trusts in me deserves. I'll, I'll take the wrath of the world on me. And so Jesus has turned away the wrath of God and turned it on himself so that God might be favorable towards us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We know that God loves us in all of this because he didn't do any of this because we loved him. John tells us something else incredible. He says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. You know, sometimes when you're around people, they love you because you're nice to them. But God says, no, you can be sure that I love you because I loved you when you didn't love me. And I loved you before you ever thought of me. And I loved you so much that I sent my very own son. And my son took your place in every way, in life, in suffering, in temptation, in isolation, in death, in rejection. And everything that Jesus experienced was for you to show that he loves you so that in him we might live. He didn't give up when things got hard. He showed us a love that bore our burdens, a love that took our place. And, and what it means is that if we've trusted him, and if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, if you've placed your faith in him for the forgiveness of sins and, and for his life in place of yours, here's the really good news this Christmas. You don't have to fear punishment from God in any way. God loves you. He's not unhappy. He, he loves you completely like his son. Because God sent his son into the world, what does this mean? We don't have to fear that God's angry. 
You know, sometimes when I mess up, I can feel like God doesn't really like me, or sometimes I feel like maybe, maybe okay, he's just okay with me, he tolerates me. Anybody ever, ever feel like that? I can't really see you out there because the lights are so bright, so you ever feel that way sometimes? Like God just kind of tolerates me? He just kind of puts up with me? He must not really be happy with me? I want you to banish every such thought. If you place your faith in God, here's the great news. He is not only happy with you, he's completely pleased with you as if you are Jesus himself. That's the scandal of Christmas time. The good news is that not only is he pleased with you, but he counts you as if you are Jesus himself. I love the part of that passage in the end of verse 9. It says, so that we might live through him. What does that mean? It means if you put your trust in Jesus, you have taken on his very identity. God sees you now as if you are Jesus. That is the miracle of Christmas. Because Jesus came, because he gave his life, because he died in our place. Now, Jesus has taken places with you and he's given you his honor he's given you his identity all the favor that he deserves has been given to you and now you are in him if you put your faith in him now i know that in this crowd not everybody's done that but that's what we celebrate at christmas that's what i encourage you to put your faith your trust your hope in you know christmas celebrations they might leave you feeling empty but you need never be empty again if you understand the love that God has for you. That you now have the very identity of Jesus. What that means is you don't have to be afraid of what people think about you. You don't have to live for other people's acceptance. You don't have to live for relationships with other people and how they treat you. You can say, you know what? God loves me and that is far more than I ever could ask or imagine and that will sustain you. You ever felt like you can never be free from a ruined reputation? You you ever felt like you can never be free from your past? You ever felt like you're defined by your mistakes, your weaknesses, your failings? I know I have. I'm tempted almost every day to feel like I'm defined by my weaknesses, by my failings, by my temptations, by my sins. And I think that most people probably, to some degree, are at least tempted by that. And yet, have the confidence that First John gives us that Jesus came that we might live through him. And that means that we really can put the past behind us now. I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come up. And, and as they're coming up, though, I want you to think about what hope means, what this means for us. What, what does it mean that because God loves you, what it means is that we can have confidence that God is always with us. We can have the hope that God is our friend and our helper. We can have the hope that we are new. We're made a new creation. Jesus, we're defined by God. We're not defined by circumstances. We're not defined by our own failings. We're not defined by weaknesses. We're not defined by family. We're friends. If you place your faith in Jesus, you have a new identity and it's no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. We have hope this Christmas because Jesus came and was made manifest that we might live through him. And we have hope that he's turned away all of God's wrath from us. We have hope that God's for us because he's demonstrated his love. We know that God loves us because he's given us his son. So now let's stand 
And let's sing together. And as we sing, let's declare again, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And O come, all you think is, O come, all you faithful. Sorry about that. O come, all you faithful. And, and I was thinking about that word, O come, all you faithful. I, I sometimes have a hard time singing, O come, all you faithful. I don't know if anybody else does, because I'm not always faithful. Here's, here's the promise we have. We can actually declare that God sees us as completely faithful because he sees us with the faithfulness of Jesus. So let's sing together and rejoice.